You'd think that as a video game podcaster and comedian, my life is all fun and games. And honestly, you'd be right. About 90% of the time, it's, it's pretty sweet. But every morning, I deal with something very, very serious. My face. You don't become an Edmonton 6 overnight. It takes work. And in my case, it takes good facial hair. And fortunately, I have a great facial hair tag team partner in Harry's. Hit up harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set and see what I'm talking about. Harry saw the tire fire that the shaving market had become and asked, how did it get like this? Crappy plastic razors, overpriced blades, all locked up like gold bars. And they said, no, we... We can fix this. And damn it, they did. Harry's ships premium quality razors right to your door. About once a month, I check my mail and there's that little box with everything I need to keep my kid presentable status. The blades stay sharp longer, which means an easier time getting my face in order in the morning. And the razors don't look like a dumb piece of plastic that a junior high schooler uses to take care of their peach fuzz. You have the facial hair of a man now. Shave like one. I actually leave my razor handle on the bathroom counter all the time just because it looks so damn classy. Harry's blades are German engineered and they're made to last. They're the best blades on the market for the best price and you don't even have to go out to get them. Set your delivery schedule and shave like a king. I know it sounds sarcastic, but I'm being serious. I've used Harry's forever. These blades are really freaking good. Highest reviews in the industry. A money back guarantee that you're not going to need and a subscription that you can cancel anytime you want. Getting ripped off isn't funny. Switch to Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just 3 bucks at harrys.com slash RTG. That's harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm going to be away from the internet for a few days due to a personal situation that I'm kind of dealing with. Uh, there may not be any streams or podcasts this week. Uh, you can keep an eye on my social media, Twitter and Instagram, at MemberTheGame, uh, to kind of know when things are getting back to normal. Uh, Shaylee, Molly, and myself, we're all fine. Uh, no worries there. But aside from that, I'm just going to ask that everyone please just respect our privacy for the time being. Uh, thank you for your understanding and my sincere apology for the missing content and any inconvenience this may cause. Uh, in the meantime... Metroid Dread was named the game of the year by both our community and as my personal pick as the best game of 2021, and I reviewed it on Expansion Pass back in October. So uh, that's what you're going to hear this week. It is a spoiler-free review. Until the very end, there is a short spoiler cast tack on. I make sure to warn you guys before the spoilers start. Uh, So I hope you enjoy this podcast. Thanks again for all the love and support and your understanding, and uh, hopefully we'll be back next week. Okay, thanks everybody. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 82nd edition of Remember the Game Expansion Pass. It is one of our Patreon-exclusive weekly podcasts here at Remember the Game Industries. My name is Adam Blank, and if you're hearing my voice, maybe seeing my voice, perhaps even watching my voice live on the old stream box, whatever, if in any way you're ingesting this content that I just created, uh, at some point you've decided to throw a couple of bucks of your hard-earned money at me over on the old Patreon service. And if that is the case, before I get into anything, 
thank you so much. I really sincerely appreciate it. Uh, we, we're fi- it feels like we're breaking records around this place every week. So I'm just... Thank you. Thank you all so much. Uh, And this week for Expansion Pass, I'm going to be dropping another review episode on you geeks. I had said a couple of months ago that I was shooting to do more review episodes, and dang it, here I is. I'm doing it. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I reviewed Deathloop for the PlayStation 5, which was one of my most anticipated games of the year. And now this week, we're reviewing Metroid Dread for the Nintendo Switch, which is another of my most anticipated games of this year. And it's fucking wild because they released Deathloop and back for, or pardon me, Metroid Metroid Dread, weeks apart, and then they tacked back for Blood on afterwards, and I know it's not like one person. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if like the game developers then went and got publishers, but then the publishers all went to one company that was like, all right, we'll put all these games together. Like one company was just calling the shots for everyone. I, when I say they, that's who I'm implying is this fictional company that fucking publishes every game all the time. But like, that's like, Deathloop, Metroid Dread, and Back for Blood is about the best month of new releases at least as far as I'm concerned and to tailor to my tastes in fucking forever. That's just fucking unreal. Plus Far Cry 6 was in there and I want to play that eventually. Plus fucking Monkey Ball was in there and that I'm actually starting to come around. I'm, I'm kind of tempted at some point to pick up Monkey Ball. It looks fun. But anyway, tons of crazy games coming out right now. It's fucking wild. So we're talking Metroid Dread. Uh, as always, my reviews are 100% spoiler free. So if you've not played the game or even finished the game, don't worry. I'm not going to ruin it for you or anything. Um... I do get into some of the stuff that happens in the first couple of minutes, the little prologue to the game, but I don't really feel like that's going to spoil much for you because you're going to see it literally before you can move Samus. This is shit that they're going to show you. And then I'm going to get a little bit into a couple of the enemies in the game, but I won't spoil anything about when they show up or how to fight them or anything like that. I'm just going to... Like the Emmys, if you don't know, you're going to find out when we get into the review. There's something that everybody knows about. They're kind of stealing the show with Metroid Dread. But I won't spoil anything big at all, I promise. So uh, I will be tacking a short spoiler cast on at the end of this podcast like I usually do with my game reviews. But I'm going to warn you. I'm going to play music. I'm going to count it down. All that stuff first. You're going to have tons of time to bail before I start telling you sto- uh, talking spoilers and tell you about how Samus is actually just Princess Peach. Oh, fuck. Uh, never mind. Skip. I'm obviously I'm kidding although I will say while I am kidding dude what a crazy twist that would be if it just turned out that Samus was actually Princess Peach and she just lets Mario save her to make him feel better about himself and she could just fucking destroy Bowser in three seconds but she's like no it's fine go ahead and kidnap me it makes you feel like a big man it's and then this is really what she's actually doing in the you know when no one sees her she's taken off in outer space and fight her ship kind of looks like a mushroom head too so anyway uh, great fucking game. I'll tell you that right now. Is that I don't know if that's spoiling the review, but it is a great fucking game. Is it worth all the hype it's getting? I'll tell you that at the end of my review. And we're going to get there in just a minute because as you know, part of your Patreon perk is a peek past the podcast here at Remember the Game Industries. How do I fuck up people's letters all the time but nail? I never miss that. I don't get it. But anyway, uh, it's a quick peek past the podcast here. So if you could just empty your pockets, remove your hat, step through the metal detector over there, and I will tell you what has been going on around here over the past week. Uh, I, I always get anxious going through the fucking metal detector at airports. I don't know if that's any, like, I don't know if any of you, have, like, I have nothing on me. I have nothing to be scared of. But you step up, and they're like, go ahead, step through. And it's just, you take that, like... And then you step through, and then when you get through and it doesn't go off, you feel like you pulled something, like you, you pulled a fast one, even though you're not doing it. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. I, I feel like I fucking pulled off something sneaking through there. And I, anyway, um, 
Thank you for all of the feedback regarding this past week's expansion pass, which was my top 10 must-play retro games. It was a countdown episode. I did not expect that list to generate the heat and the controversy that it did. It queued up a lot of discussions. Uh, And heads up, I am going to spoil a couple of my picks here quickly. So if you haven't listened to last week's podcast yet and you want to be surprised, you might want to skip ahead about 90 seconds. Uh, I think the comments that I heard the most from the community were, first of all, it was insane that I left Game X off the list with Mario 64, Super Mario Brothers, and Link to the Past all popping up. And a lot of people were surprised that Sonic 2 was as high as it was on my list. So obviously this was a very subjective topic, right? Like what makes a video game must play? That's something that you could ask 10 different people and you could get 10 different answers. So um, I really did work hard on my list. I tried so hard to try to cover every major console, genre, era, all the big franchises. I did my absolute best to try to cover as much as I could. And you know what? I fucking stand by my list because I feel like that list of 10 games games gives players a taste of just about everything try to make a list of 10 retro games that covers everything from the ps2 xbox one gamecube era back to the nes very fucking difficult it's really tough uh ocarina of time got on my list while link to the past didn't and i think link to the past is the infinitely better game but i think ocarina of time is far more important link to the past was just a great snes game right ocarina of time fucking changed the game forever uh mario 3 got in on my list because uh it levels up super mario brothers in literally every way it's the best game the nes has to offer super mario world is the best showcase of what the super nintendo had to offer and then i was like well now i don't have room for link to the past because i've covered the super nintendo with super mario world mario 64 was fucking massive but ocarina of time was bigger in my opinion and i didn't want three mario games on my list and i got it's i stand by that list it was very difficult i encourage feedback i had a great time debating that list with the community so thank you for all the passion and for all the replies it was a lot of fun uh and if you have not listened to it yet i'm telling you check out remember the game this week i'm really proud of all of our podcasts there's the voice crack whoa i'm really proud of all the podcasts we put out But I really do feel that Remember the Game this week is one of the best episodes we've ever done. I interviewed a former strategy guide author about what it was like writing those strategy guides back in the day. And uh, speaking for myself, I I found it captivating while we were talking. I basically just shut up by and large and just let Doug, my guest, talk about what his time was like in the industry. And I was just fascinated by it. Like some of my favorite episodes we've done are the interviews. When we talked to Nicholas Piccolis from Video on Arcade Top 10, we talked to Summoning Salt, the world record holder for fastest Mike Tyson. KO and Mike Tyson's punch out. Now we've talked to Doug Walsh, the 18 year veteran of writing strategy guides. I have a couple more ideas for episodes like that moving forward. I'm just trying to space space them out so that I don't do them all together or anything like that. So uh, we're recording the Diddy Kong Racing episode this weekend. That's probably going to be next week's episode. I know a lot of people are excited about that. I really liked that game. I'm actually looking for kart racer suggestions. Okay, so feel free to DM me your picks, but with a couple suggestions or stipulations. I have Crash Team Racing, Diddy Kong Racing, and Mario Kart, and all those games covered, okay? I'm only asking for recommendations of good kart racers, please, because I'm, I'm going to be dropping my cash on these games. So if you send me something like Garfield Kart, I'm never listening to anything you say again. I, if, you, if you feel there's a kart racer out there that you truly believe stacks up and is in the same class as Diddy Kong Racing, Mario Kart, and Crash Team Racing, let me know. I'm interested, okay? Um... 
think that's oh and i've been streaming a little bit more lately uh, i've been done i've done been doing some back for blood streams uh it feels weird streaming that game because i almost completely ignore the chat while i'm playing because i'm just trying to keep up with back for blood and talk to my teammates but I, I really like streaming i just don't know what i'm doing maybe it's no big deal to not acknowledge the, everything the chat says while you're playing i don't i don't know uh my buddy mike showed me a cable that i should pick up if i want to be able to stream the voice chat of our game while i'm playing and i think i'm going to look into it because that's been the one complaint about the back for blood uh screen streams has been that you can't hear the voice chat. So uh, I'm going to look into that cable. I just wanted to see if Back for Blood was something I wanted to play on stream a little bit more before I invested that money in it. But I think it is. So I'm excited about it. And that's something I think we're going to do moving on. Okay, anyway. I think that's everything. That's enough. Let's talk Metroid Dread. That's why you're here. I'm going to queue up some Metroid Dread music. There it is. And when that music stops, I'll drop my spoiler-free review of Metroid Dread for the Nintendo Switch. Let's go. If you're hearing this, you're probably a gamer. And for our kind, nothing is as precious and valuable as our save files. Have you ever experienced the loss of a save file? It's soul-crushing. Dozens, maybe hundreds of hours of work. Gone, like that. But at the end of the day, it's a video game. It matters, but kinda, you know? That exact scenario, but with a work project, an essay for school, data for your business, that's no joke. That could be really serious. You need a safety net. And I got you, fam, with my partners over at CrashPlan. Visit CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. CrashPlan has been protecting people's data since 2001, and a couple years ago, they set out on their own with one mission, to provide the best damn cloud backup solution on the market. CrashPlan runs quietly in the background of your computer or Mac and every 15 minutes on the clock they create a new backup of every file that's changed in that time. So if something goes wrong, God forbid, you don't lose hours, lose days, lose weeks of work. Just log into your account and you can download your most recent backup from the secure cloud servers. And there's not just one backup. There's a laundry list of them. You can pick and choose which one you want. It's like the ultimate undo button. If if you work on a computer in any capacity, CrashPlan is a must-have. And if you're thinking, ah, that's for big businesses, I'm just Joe Schmo. CrashPlan protects Joe Schmo. They offer a ton of plans and tiers. So there's a CrashPlan for everyone from small one-person businesses like me to you fancy businesses in offices with staff and free donuts and all that stuff. Time is money. Why wouldn't you protect your work? Spreadsheets, diagrams, videos, art, podcasts. CrashPlan has you covered. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. All right, now, do you geeks remember when Nintendo announced this game? I'm not, I didn't look it up for the podcast, but I'm 90% sure it was at their E3 Nintendo Direct. I'm almost positive it was at the E3 Nintendo Direct. And it was just one of those record scratch moments. It was, just, we were all hoping for a surprise. It was a Nintendo Direct. We're like, come on, give us some big fucking thing we didn't see coming. And I feel like Metroid Dread was the surprise we didn't know that we wanted. At least I didn't. I won't lie to you. I was hoping for Mario Kart 9 or I was hoping for a new Donkey Kong game or maybe F-Zero. I knew I was pushing my luck with F-Zero, but I was hoping for something like that. But a new TD, or pardon me, a new 2D Metroid game 
That was pretty fucking rad, man. We all and you know what's wild is that we all knew that Met, we know that Metroid Prime Four is in development, and so I think everyone had to assume that that's what all the Metroid nerds are working on. They're working on Metroid Prime Four, and then just out of nowhere, Nintendo drops a fucking two D Metroid on us that's been on the in the works the whole time. And to their credit, dude, shit does not leak from Nintendo. I'm telling you, the fucking Yakuza own them because nothing, nothing leaks from Nintendo ever. Nobody knew this game was coming, and then they were like, and it was one thing for them to be like, yo, we're making a two D Metroid game, but then they were like, oh yeah, and you'll be playing it in like two months, and it was like, what? I'm still floored that that wasn't their one last thing, how they didn't close the E3 showcase with that. I'll never know. But uh, as soon as they said that we were going to be getting our hands on that game in October, it jumped to one of the top spots on my most anticipated games list. I know it did for many of you as well. Uh, It's a direct sequel to Metroid Fusion from the Game Boy Advance, which I recently played as well. So that got me even more excited because I played the prequel and I knew what was coming. Uh, So I think some of the most common questions that I got going into this episode were, uh, do you have to play fusion first and is dread any good? And I'll answer with no, with a, but, and yes, with an, if it's, it's not that cut and dry. And don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything from Metroid fusion either. There is an episode about Metroid fusion in the remember the game archives. If you're interested, uh, I do think we spoil most of the game in there, though. So just be aware of that before you go listen to it. So uh, I'm going to break this game down. I'm going to let you know what I think of it. We got almost 40 comments from the community this week. I couldn't get them all in, but I did squeeze a few in, including this one from Brian Ransom, who wrote in on Patreon and said, So I've never played a Metroid game and hardly know anything about the story or games. In terms of story, where would I start? Uh... I mean, I guess with the NES one, but I don't, I got to be honest, and maybe some Metroid fans will disagree with me. I don't really think it matters that much, Brian. It's not that there's not a story to the Metroid games, but it's not, this isn't like a fucking season three of a TV show where you're lost if you jump in and didn't watch the first two seasons. I've only personally played three Metroid games to completion, and that's Fusion, Super Metroid, and now Metroid Dread, and I don't feel lost. They do a pretty good job of at least setting the table for you, especially in the later games as the story starts to pick up. Uh, Like I said, this is a sequel to Metroid Fusion for the Game Boy Advance, Uh, but Metroid Dread does explain the basics of what's going on in the universe before the game gets going. I do think you'll enjoy Fusion, or pardon me, I think you'll enjoy Metroid Dread a little bit more if you have played Fusion. Plus, I think Fusion is a great game that's worth playing. It's just not readily available. It's not on the 3DS. It's not on the Switch anywhere. It's a Game Boy Advance game. So if you can't get your hands on Metroid Fusion, I wouldn't sweat it and I wouldn't let you. I wouldn't let it stop you from playing Metroid Dread. You'll be fine if you hop into this game uh, and play it. What, what I will say is I think if you play Metroid Dread first... Some of like, I love Super Metroid. That's a great fucking game. I do think Super Metroid might feel a little ancient compared to Metroid Dread. And I'm not saying it's bad, but Metroid Dread is like Super Metroid on fucking steroids. So the one thing I would be aware of is if you play Metroid Dread first, the other games are still fully playable, but they're going to show their age. Maybe that's a great way, the right way uh, to put it. But like I said, I've only played Fusion and Super Metroid, and I felt more than equipped to deal with anything that Metroid Dread threw at me. I didn't feel lost or anything like that. There's a little story primer at the very beginning of the game that'll get you caught up enough that at least you're aware of why you're on this planet and what the fuck is going on. Um, Metroid Dread has its own story that it tells while you play. 
and I, I think it's a good story. I don't think it's like, it's not fucking Shakespeare or anything like that. I feel like it's one of those games where the story is there if you're interested, but if you just want to go in and shoot aliens and explore, the story is not going to get in your way. You're not going to feel lost. It's quite obvious very quickly into the game that there's a bad guy. You're the good guy. You've got to get your powers and then go kill the good guy or the bad guy. It's, it's very basic stuff. So, um, Without any, so to give you a quick sum, summation of the story, this is all stuff that's explained in the first like 90 seconds of the game before you even move Samus. So that's all I'm going to get into as far as the story goes. Uh, Samus is going to another planet to investigate something. The powers that be had sent these automated robots called Emmys to the planet beforehand to investigate, but then they got like they lost contact with them and shit went to hell. So you go there as Samus to try to find out what happened. Shit hits the fan and you're off to the races. There, I, that's as caught up as i'm gonna make you as far as the story goes uh man a few words wrote in on patreon and said man what a game the new emmy gimmick added to this 2d metroid actually worked and like the title filled me with a genuine sense of dread every time i saw that i had to enter one of their zones it felt very similar to super metroid and fixed the limitations and mistakes from that game like the god-awful wall jumping this is an amazing game overall i'll get into the wall jumping in a minute but you're right and that's that was the number one thing i was thinking of when i said the problem with playing dread might might be that Super Metroid feels just a touch archaic. The wall jumping in Super Metroid is that game's only real wart. And the wall jumping that game fucking sucks. And the wall jumping in this game is mwah, spectacular. But we'll get there when we get to the controls. Man of Few Words brought up the Emmys. And I brought them up as well. Not the shitty award show. The EMMIs. These fucking robot human dog android things that were sent to the planet before you went there. And they're almost the star of the show this time around and i i mean i guess maybe it's a spoiler to reveal that you interact with them but i i think everybody knows that i'm not going to explain really why you're interacting with them uh but you do have to deal with them and when you come across them like they kind of stalk you it's just and it's it's fucking just tense as shit it's awesome that dread dread is such a perfect word to explain whenever you go into an area and you know one of these motherfucking emmys is in there you get this sense of dread because you're like they will fuck you up if they get their hands on you and you can't kill them straight up you can't fight them so the game teaches you very early on to avoid them like the plague and run like a motherfucker if they find you and i think it's the coolest part of the game is interacting with the emmys i think some people probably found them a little bit frustrating because it's about i would say it's about a 90 to 95 percent death sentence if they catch you i'll explain why it's not 100 percent in a second um i thought it was outstanding the fucking tension and the dread that comes in when you're interacting with these guys is fucking incredible because like in almost every other metroid game and there's a couple of minor exceptions and i'm not going to spoil those because people haven't played the other games there's the odd enemy that you have to just run and hide from because otherwise they're just going to kill you to get your hands on you but i don't remember any of them feeling as tense as this this is just fucking remarkable and the controls in this game are so goddamn good and just the feel i'll get more into the controls in a second but the feel of running sliding climbing wall jumping to just get away from this fucking predator robot that can just like contort itself to go through just about anywhere in any of these levels once it finds you it'll stop at nothing to catch you it's just so fucking exhilarating i, I they're the most exciting portions of the game in my opinion, to be honest. And the Emmys are just such a fucking rad design. They look cool. The way they kill you is cool. The way they hunt you is cool. The way that, like, they have, like, a... Uh, 
I don't know what you'd call it, like a sonar kind of thing, like their, you know, like their vision, like the camera in front of them. And you can see exactly what it can see. And your goal is to just stay out of that. But like the way that like you think it's going to go one way, but then it, it can like totally contort itself and go a different way entirely and climb through a crack in the wall. And all of a sudden it's above you when you thought it was going to go away instead. It's just, oh my God, it's so awesome. And like I said, it's about a 95% death sentence if they catch you because you can explain or pardon me, you can escape. If they catch you, I wrote explain in my notes to explain how you can get away. Uh, when they get their hands on you, you're fucked. You can't, it goes to a cutscene. you can't fight them, but you have two fraction of a second instances where if you hit the X button at the right moment, you'll counter what they're doing with like a punch or a kick. I just kicked my desk and I was trying to show you how to kick even though no one can see my feet, but you'll counter them with like a little punch or a kick, momentarily stun them and it's your chance to get away. But you can't just mash X. Like you only get one shot at each of those two counters and your timing needs to be fucking on point. And I don't know if there has ever been a feeling in any video game ever as satisfying as nailing the escape that that fucking half a second moment from an Emmy and you just hit them with an elbow and they stumble back and you can run like hell. It is. Oh, my God. It's so fucking good. Uh, and they, oh, just so incredibly designed. I I've seen a couple people complaining about them and saying that they're too hard. I just don't think you get what the game is trying to do because they're not. They're fucking spectacular and I love them. Uh, but now that does bring me to the difficulty uh, of the game, which is something that I wanted to talk about. Not just escaping the Emmys. I've just seen people online saying that this game is too hard. Um, I disagree. Uh, and, and you know what? The thing about it is I usually get irritated when like somebody posts on a message board or on a Reddit or something uh, saying that they're they're finding something really difficult and they're stuck and the comments are all you suck and get good and shit like that. I wouldn't tell someone that finds this game too difficult that they suck because this game is very difficult. I don't think it's soul crushingly difficult. Um, I think it's tough but fair. I, I think this would be a horrible game to suggest to someone that doesn't play video games. My girlfriend likes Samus. She doesn't play a lot of video games. She's played Smash Brothers with me and, and, our, and our nephew Ben a few times. And she always picks Zero Suit Samus because she thinks Samus looks like a badass. I'm like, yeah, she is a badass. Um, so when she knew that I was playing a Metroid game, she watched a little bit because she was like, oh, wow, I've always kind of wanted to play one of her games. But then she saw how difficult it is and she hardly plays video games. And I don't think she would enjoy it. There's no easy mode. There's no way to turn the difficulty down. I don't think this game is for a casual gamer. You, you're going to get fucked up. Dread is not going to hold your hand. It expects you to get i hate to say it but dread expects you to get good or it's going to fucking wreck you straight straight up it's gonna fucking destroy you if you don't get good but i feel like it does a good job of teaching you how to get good i feel like it lays the breadcrumbs on the ground and it lays out a trail to teach you the emmy encounters get more intense as you go so when you find the first one it's probably, I probably got killed more by the first Emmy in that game than I did from all the rest of them combined. Because when that, when you come across the first one, it's going to kill you over and over and over until you figure out how to get away from it. And there's no way to avoid it. And it's going to find you and the game. And I don't think this is a fault, but the game kind of shoehorns you down this alley where they're like, you're going to, you're either going to figure out 
how to get away from that Emmy or you're not going to get any farther into this game. It's not being cheap about it. It's teaching you. And I think that's a great mechanic. I think it's really, really well implemented. And if you can just get past the initial frustration of being like, holy fuck, this is hard. You start to realize like it's tough, but it's fair. And that's the best way a game can be as far as difficulty is tough, but fair. And it's the same thing with the enemies in the game. Every, every video game with enemies in it in the history of the world uh, the enemies get tougher as you progress through the game. They progressively get harder and harder to deal with. Metroid games give you all kinds of new abilities and weapons as you play. And as you pick those up, the enemies get tougher, but the game expects you to use the new tricks that you've picked up to get past them. And I think it's, I think this is an incredibly difficult game. I don't know if I'd say that. I think it's hard. I don't like, I wouldn't put it in the, like, I wouldn't put it in the conversation of like a Celeste or a Super Meat Boy or a Spelunky, those games that are just basically designed to kill you over and over. I don't think this game is like that. Uh, I think that Metroid Dread is hard, but it rewards patience. It rewards practice. And those are the difficult games that I get off on. Stuff like this, stuff like Cuphead, like Shovel Knight. If a game is tough but fair, I will play the fuck out of it. And that's what Metroid Dread is. I think another thing that could frustrate players... Uh, is the exploration and that kind of ties into the difficulty i think like the levels themselves aren't going to kill you other than when you fall into lava like going underwater won't hurt you when you go into like a, a cold level it'll hurt you but the game indicates it right away as soon as you go through a door you're in a, a sub-zero area and it's it's hurting you right away you just turn around and leave again like the, the game like there's no the, you, you can't fall into like a hole and die you're not gonna run out of time stuff like that the levels aren't gonna kill you but it's almost a guarantee that at some point <laughs> and i would be interested to know if anyone didn't feel like this at some point while you're playing Metroid Dread, you're going to think the game is broken and you've got nowhere to go. You're going to think you've fucking softlocked yourself into a corner and Nintendo fucked up and put a way for you to get trapped and you can't escape it. It never is. There's always a way out. There literally might be one hidden block in a wall somewhere that you can shoot to remove it and you can duck underneath it and then you can keep going. But the thing is, is there's not going to be any indicators to tell you where that block is or how you can get out. And honestly, probably my only real criticism of this game is that they don't do a great job of explaining to players that, you know, hey, if you're stuck, start shooting. You're going to find a hole somewhere. And I think Metroid veterans are going to know that. But a new player is going to have no fucking idea because a lot of the holes you need to find, especially in the early going, there is absolutely no indicator that, the, that that's where you need to shoot the wall. The wall just looks the same the whole way, but if you shoot this one area, a single block will open up and now you can fall through it. And a new player might not know that. So I could understand how that could be a legitimate criticism of the game. And I do wish they just did a little, maybe just put one or two areas at the beginning of the game where it's obvious that's what they're trying to do. And they kind of do that, but I don't feel like they do that well enough. And, and that would be my only major criticism of this game. Now I will say... I've played through this game twice, and the second time I played through it, I realized that the game is somewhat linear, at least until you have all your power-ups. It's They're going to try to guide you the way you need to go. Like Once you can do everything and go everywhere, and you have all of Samus's abilities, and you're the all-powerful fucking goddess of that game, you can just explore and look for power-ups till your heart's content. There's nowhere you can't go. But while you're playing through it, you're going to come across tons of situations where you can't go somewhere yet. You need to go get a different ability before you can get into that area, get into this area. And 
when you're playing the game for the first time, you get a new ability. If I was going to give advice to a new player, look at where the game is sending you. When you get a new ability, you might have three or four options to where you could go and backtrack and find doors that you couldn't open before that you can't open now. But almost every time you get a new ability and then the game kind of shoehorns you back towards maybe the door or the area that you need to go to now that will continue the game. And if you go off exploring instead, there's nothing wrong with that. You can play the game however you want, but you may not be able to find your way back to that one little area that the game was kind of trying to be like, hey, you know, now that you've got these missiles, that door that you were at earlier, you can open it now. But you're like, yeah, I, also, I can also open this door, this door, and this door. You go back to those and now you forget where that door it was trying to get you to go to is. And I didn't realize that until the second time I played through it. So... It can, like, the, the enemies can be very difficult and the exploration can be very difficult. But the enemies are difficult because they'll kill you. The exploration can be difficult because you can get lost. And I do think the game should just, it should teach you to shoot everything when you're stuck. And I don't think it does. So if you haven't played it yet, but you plan to play it, just when you get stuck and you will get stuck, just start shooting everything. Particularly in areas of the map where you can see that there's more areas to explore just past where you are, but you don't know how to get to them. Shooting the walls and the floors almost always will open up something and a new way for you to go. Uh, and I, yeah, the game just really I don't think it tells you that. I think it kind of expects you to know that. Uh, David Phillips wrote in on Patreon and said, one of the best Metroid games I've played in a very long time. The only issue I really had was that sometimes the game is not very good at conveying what it wanted me to do next. More than once, I had to wander around for a while, exhausting every possible path until I found the right one forward. But maybe that's more of me overthinking and less something wrong with the game directions. No matter what, I will play again. I had a blast. And I, the first time I played it, I had multiple instances where I was lost as well, David. And I never got super frustrated with it, but I was literally just running around this giant map being like, I know there's fucking somewhere that I'm missing that I can go to and I don't know where the fuck it is. So what I would advise anyone, if you're playing for the first time, when you get a new ability, before you go running off and picking up old power-ups, just look at the map. And I bet you nine times out of 10, there's a streamlined path to somewhere where you can use that new ability you got. And all I would recommend is just go into your map and put a marker on that area and then go off and fucking explore as much as you want. And when you're ready to continue on with the progression of the game, look for your marker and be like, that's where the game was trying to get me to go. If I, the second time I played through, I did that and it made a fucking huge, huge difference. Um, and we should talk about the abilities because as with any Metroid game, you get new abilities as you play it. And that's the secret sauce to any good Metroidvania. Obviously Metroid is fucking like the main ingredient in a Metroidvania. There's just, dude, finding something, a power-up or a fucking door or a secret exit or, or something, finding something and not being able to get to it or not being able to use it is just so goddamn frustrating. But then when you get that new ability or you get that new weapon, you get the ability to jump higher or you get new missiles or something... And you know now you're like, fuck, that's how I get that thing. And you can't wait to go back and get to whatever it was you couldn't get to before. That is just so goddamn satisfying. That's what scratches my itch 
when I play a Metroid game. I think the gameplay is great, the controls, the combat, all that kind of stuff is awesome. But it's that fucking, and it goes back to, to Guacamelee, Hollow Knight, the Ori games. Just insert your favorite Metroidvania here. When you pick up a new ability, that instant sense of excitement you get that you can go back and fucking, you know, go to five, six, seven places you couldn't go to before. Oh God, that's just, oh, it's like sticking a Q-tip in your ear and just getting that exact right spot. It feels so fucking good. Fuck that too. The box says don't put Q-tips in your ear. Suck my balls, Q-tips. That's what you're fucking there for. Strife89 wrote in on Patreon and said, best game of the year for me. Classic Metroid style with small but effective improvements to abilities. I couldn't space jump to save my life in past Metroid games, but I loved it in this one. Adam, did you care to get 100% on your playthrough? Uh, I did. I 100%ed a run through on normal difficulty, and then I jumped through again and played it on hard mode, and I'm very close to 100%ing it on hard mode. I wanted to get it done before I recorded this podcast, but I just ran out of time. But I have all my abilities. I'm about 90% complete on my hard mode run. I just got to go get a few more missile upgrades and stuff. And then I'm going to go fight the final boss uh, and write it off. Uh, I don't often go for 100% of collectibles and stuff like that in video games. But Metroidvanias, when you've got the abilities to just go anywhere you want and just do a clean sweep, it's just... It's as satisfying as anything in gaming to me. And some of the power-ups that you want to get in this game, just as a heads up, some of the power-ups you're going to find are fucking, they're not only hidden very well, they are stuck behind some platforming challenges that are tough as nails. They're optional. You don't have to do them. Um, I'm trying not to spoil any of the abilities you're going to pick up while you play, but at one point you're going to get a sprint mechanic where you can just, you click the right, I don't remember how you trigger it, but. You do whatever it is to do it. And then as uh, as Samus is running like normal, she like supercharges and she's running. And then after a few seconds of that, she takes off in like a turbo sprint and she runs in that sprint until she hits a wall. And it's critical to use that ability to get some of the more hidden bonuses in the game. But it is a motherfucker to use because you've got to go find a stretch of land that is long enough for you to get to full speed and trigger your super sprint. Then you're ducking and jumping and wall jumping and shit like that to get to an area where you can use that super sprint to break through a wall. But if you touch anything or go the wrong way for even half a second, you lose all your momentum and have to go back to start. I never once found them um, like controller throwingly frustrating because again, they're all optional. You don't have to do them. And I found them incredibly satisfying to pull off and I didn't find any of them too difficult. It was more difficult to figure out what the right path was because there's some where like you'll find an item that's hidden behind a, a, a brick that clearly needs to be broken by Samus when she's doing her super dash and there's nowhere near there to get to super dash speed. So you literally are going off sometimes like 10, 15 seconds away before you've got an area where you can run fast enough to trigger her super speed. Then you've got to get her to that wall without losing that charge momentum and it's, it's, a, it's they're optional. They are a motherfucker. But once you, they are so, so, so satisfying to fucking pull off. My God, they're satisfying to pull off. Uh, and I, and I feel like the controls in this game are fair. I don't feel like there's ever an instance where the controls in this game, uh, fuck you over. I think they always work fair and square. Scott fair and square. Pardon me. Scott Brooks wrote in on Patreon and said, so I'm a Metroid drunkie and we'll picking this, be picking this one up soon. I just have one question. Do you recommend playing it on a bigger screen or is it just as fun to play on a smaller screen? Like with a switch light? Uh, I, so I think, obviously, I haven't played it on a Switch Lite. I have a standard full-size Switch. I think that the controls are uh, rock solid 
super tight. I did play it on my standard Switch, both docked with my 8-bit Do controller and handheld with the Joy-Cons attached on the sides. And I did find it way more satisfying to play uh, docked with my 8-bit Do controller. I didn't find myself at a disadvantage or anything playing it handheld. I just thought the game handled better with a controller in your hands. Uh, you have to use the analog to, to play it you can't use the d-pad and normally on a 2d game i fucking hate having to use the d-pad to play it I, I like using my analogs uh but for, for this game the analog stick actually worked perfectly it worked surprisingly well i i i never i thought the controls were so crisp that I, there wasn't a single instance that i found myself dying because the controls failed me that's that's the secret to a good game never once did i find the controls uh, to be anything of a hindrance whatsoever. They were always fair, and I thought that was awesome. Uh, Yankee Doodle Randy wrote in on Patreon and said, yay, wall jumps are easy to pull off in this one. And yeah, because we already talked about this, but the wall jumps in Super Metroid are fucking awful. And the wall jumps in this game are just silky smooth and perfect. Uh, this game rewards practice. And I'm telling you, by the end of the game, you have a ton of moving parts and a ton of abilities, but you also should have a really good grasp on how to use them because the game really forces you to make use of abilities as you pick them up so that when you hit a point near the end of the game where you fucking need all of them you're not in over your head you're like well i know how to do my super sprint and then wall jump off and then grab this wall that i can climb up while i shoot a missile at this thing and then slide it's you get all of it so it's if you were to like watch somebody play at the end of the game and you've never played it you'd be like there's no way i could ever do this but by the time you get there it's taught you how to do all of it and it seems to handle really well um to go back to running away from the emmys by the end of the game, dude, you are you're you're fucking sprinting, sliding under walls, going into morph ball, wall jumping, shooting blocks out of your way while you're running toward the blocks. You have no margin of error because this goddamn psycho robot hunter is fucking right on your ass and it is just silky smooth. It's almost as satisfying as going around and picking up the collectibles is running away from the fucking Emmys. It's just I can't say enough good things about the controls in this game. Uh, there's boss fights. There's actually a lot of boss fights in this game too, and they are fucking tough. I think they are the hardest part of the game. Uh, they're my favorite types of bosses though, because by and large, you just have to learn their patterns, their tells, their mannerisms. They Every boss in the game has just a little tell that they do before they use an attack, and every attack in the game is avoidable. You just have to figure out the patterns with their tell it's it's all about practicing and learning their little tells like it's i don't think it's spoiling anything to say that like there's one boss you fight and uh sometimes he'll jump on the wall uh so he's wall hanging and then he'll like scream and when he screams if little wavy lines come out of his mouth then i know he's about to dive at me if he screams and little like smoke circles come out of his mouth he's gonna stay on the wall and he's gonna spit like acid or something at me instead so i know which way i need to counter to attack and they're only going to show like those tells last for a half a second it's like it's like a mike tyson's punch out those tells last for like half a second but if you're dialed in and you're paying attention you learn them and even if that boss fucking like dude it's funny a, a boss will absolutely fucking murder you the first couple of times you go up against one and they fucking will i promise but then after five or six attempts you might beat that boss without it ever touching you because now you know how to avoid everything uh and again the controls are just rock solid they never let you down i i never once found samus not doing exactly what i wanted her to do when i wanted her to do it and the game is difficult enough that it needs those precise controls for it to work so i, I loved all the boss fights in this game i thought they were there was a when i was streaming my my hard difficulty playthrough the other night i got pretty stuck on one boss fight and uh 
it was frustrating, but at the same time, like I never felt once that it was cheap. It was always on me. It was like, you'll get good, man. Like just keep practicing. You'll figure it out. And you do. And when you figure it out, it is so fucking satisfying. And I guess there are ways to, um, and I took shit on stream for saying it this way. So it's not a glitch. There are ways to cheese some of the bosses where you can get some abilities earlier than, uh, you should and, the, and Nintendo put it there intentionally and you can beat some of the bosses in one hit I have not participated in that I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it that's just not how I wanted to play the game maybe for like a speed run or something that'd be cool but I like the feeling of going toe to toe with these bosses and mastering the patterns and figuring out how to beat them I, I just find that so satisfying um, and the other thing is that the bosses and basically I don't know if every enemy in the game has this but it's gotta be like a 90% at least uh, including the Emmys um, they have these counter things that you can counter attack them at some point. And I had mentioned during the, with, with the Emmy attacks, you have two fraction of a second instances where you can hit X at the right moment. And then instead of the MI, uh, the Emmy killing you, you'll hit them with an elbow or a kick and you'll stun them and you can run away. 90% of the enemies in this game and the bosses have counters like that. And they, they're always triggered in the exact same way. This yellow flash will pop up and it's like a, a circle with like a cross in it. And it only pops up for like a half a second. But if you mash X, when that fucking thing pops up, uh, you'll, you'll stun most enemies in the game. And then when you kill them, you get way more, uh, item drops like rockets and health and stuff like that. And some of the bosses, you actually need to hit that counter at the right moment near the end of the fight to kind of open them up to like their final phase where you can finish them off. And it's, it's, I know some people hate like quick time events. Um, I don't feel like they're wrong in this game. I think they're great. They're so obvious that they're there. And fortunately, the only enemies in the game that will instantly kill you if you miss the counterattack are the Emmys. Uh, all the bosses, there are some bosses where once you beat them down to a, a, a certain point, it'll trigger like a cutscene where then you have to hit a counter or two to finish them off. But if you miss time that counterattack, then all that happens is the fight continues until you can trigger that counterattack screen again. And it only takes like a minute. It's, it's not like you're a 10 minute fucking replay to get it back and um i love that kind of stuff because you, you you learn to be looking for it and you've got your thumb hovering over that x button and you're fucking ready and the only ones that are super precise are the emmys all the other bosses in the game and stuff like that you you don't have like you know three second window to hit the the counter button but you get more time than you do when you're fighting the the emmys so but that's again i really think that's a great design that they put the exact same counter attack in for all the other enemies that they did for the most deadly enemy in the game it's just that all the other enemies it's not that hard to counter it whereas the the emmys it's it's a it's a you need to be fucking picture perfect to counter it and that just adds to the dread uh pun intended because that's i think why they named the game this way it adds to the tension of fighting these emmys and running away because you're like i know this isn't going to be like the other fights i have no window for error here which i i fucking i fucking love this game this show is sponsored by better help Podcasting's a weird job because I talk to you nerds all the time. Every day, I tell you all about my life, the good and the bad. The ugly, I kind of keep that offline. And it's not that I don't want to talk about it. I'd love to talk about it. I just need to pick and choose who I talk to. We all have stuff that just lives in our minds, rent-free, 24-7. Talking about them can really help because the longer you keep something bottled up, the more likely it is to blow. You've heard me say it before and you're going to keep hearing me say it. Therapy is the way. Therapists can be that ear to bend when you really need to get something off your chest and don't know who to talk to. And BetterHelp is a great way to go about it. 
I don't BS you guys. I don't say I've used something if I've never used it. I've personally talked to a BetterHelp therapist about this stuff going on in my personal life, and I genuinely found it helpful. To have someone to talk to that doesn't have any skin in the game, that can just listen and try to help me come up with a roadmap to get through the tough times... It's just invaluable. It has seriously really helped me. I've talked to my therapist through video and you can do it that way or you can do it over the phone or even just over chat and they give you as many schedule options as possible so you can work a session in around your life. It's licensed therapy as convenient as it gets. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash RememberTheGame today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash RememberTheGame. Good day. Hang on a second. I got to hydrate here. Hang on a minute. Good day wrote in on Patreon and said, uh, this game was great. I wish there was a bit more meat on the bone, as they say. I'm so glad Metroid took a step back and made the 2D version rather than the prime first-person shooter. What a great addition to the Metroid saga that has an updated look with a nostalgic feel. Uh, yeah, I agree with all that. And, and Good day mentioned he wishes there was a little bit more meat on the bone. Uh, it took me, my, my game file said it took me a little over 13 hours to 100% of the game on normal, which was beat the game with all the power-ups and everything in the game, all the optional stuff. I don't think that counter, that in-game clock counts times when you die. I think it only counts time between saves because I'm almost positive. I feel like there were a couple of days where I played the game for five or six hours on its own. So I think I played longer than 13 hours. I don't think that in-game clock is counting that. I think if you die, it doesn't count the time between wherever your last checkpoint was and when you die. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just feel like I played it a lot longer than 13 hours. Uh, I'm playing it again right now on hard mode. I'm just about to finish it. I don't know what my in-game clock is. Uh, I'll obviously post it online when I'm done. Um, but for those of you asking about replay value, there's limited replay value in the sense of it's not like there's all multiple endings um, or multiple paths. To, I mean, there's a couple of minor path alterations you can take and stuff like that. But I think a lot of the replay value of this game just comes from wanting to play it again or wanting your challenge yourself to speed run it or to beat it with without all the extra power ups and stuff like that. But it's it's not like you've got five different you know decisions you make during the game that open up branching storylines or anything like that. You get one game and you can play it as many times uh, as you want. But I, I didn't. I felt like it was a fine length, frankly. Uh, seriously, Ron P wrote in on Patreon and said, "I think Dread did a great job of alternating between making you feel lost and telling you exactly where to go, making it seem easy, and then throwing a tough boss fight in. Nice and casual exploration, followed by the dread of hearing those Emmy beeps. I'm halfway through a second." playthrough so it even has some replay value throwbacks for the fans without all the seemingly fan servicey stuff all around a great game and i don't generally like metroidvanias i never even finished ori fuck ron i've never put someone on double secret probation on an episode of oh, i probably have i was about to say i've never put someone on double secret probation during an expansion pass Dollars to donuts. I put someone on double secret probation during an expansion pass. Uh, you're on double secret probation. Go back and finish Ori. Fucking finish the goddamn Ori games. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I, I like. I never fucking play through new game pluses or second runs or anything like that. And I literally finished this game on normal and then jumped right into playing it on hard. I was like, I gotta play it again. So I got two playthroughs out of it at least. Um, Super Dave wrote in on Patreon and said, what ideas and or mechanics from Dread do you think other games are going to steal moving forward? I don't know, because I, I think people have already stolen the Metroid formula. And I like 
maybe that's the wrong way to put it, but there's it literally has spawned its own genre. And I don't think Metroid Dread is fucking spectacular, but I don't think it does anything so different that there's like more stuff in there for developers to take. I I would like to see someone do something along the lines of what the Emmys are like in this game, but to make them more scary, because they're not really scary in this game. It's just tense. But I think you could make a great horror game like this if you wanted to, if you really wanted to make it a more fast-paced, almost like an Outlast-style thing where you're running away from enemies, but make it the Emmys and make it really quick. So maybe something like that. But other than that, I don't really... It's a great game, but I don't think it's breaking down any barriers and doing something so cutting edge and new that everyone's going to be like, I'm taking that now. I, it's just another great 2D Metroid game. And uh, as I get ready to score this thing, dude, we had so many comments from our community praising this game. I'm just going to rip through a few of these here. Stupid Monkey said, Game of the Year contender for sure. And Keegs and his stupid arrow handle can eat shit. I agree with both of those. 8-Bit Bovi wrote in and said, It gets a 9.5 out of 10 from me. The game is an instant classic. The only part that I dread is those freaking Emmy parts. It just slows the game down and gives me high school sweaty palms. That being said, it is very satisfying when I fuck them up, which I think is exactly what they're aiming for. Super Nintendudes wrote in and said, This game is phenomenal. 11 out of 10. It's perfect. I've only played OG Metroid and Super Metroid, and it stays absolutely true to those games. Dread does a great job of lightly guiding you on your mission without feeling like the game is holding your hand. Glad to see so many people enjoying Dread. I would consider myself a pretty casual gamer, but holy shit, not with Metroid Dread. I took a workday off and did absolutely nothing other than play it. Reworked a solid ass groove on the couch. Better put on a pot of coffee. This might take a while. Shout out to anyone that gets that reference. And Black Silver said, I can't really say much more than I really love this game. Now, if only they'd remake all of the older 2D Metroid games just like this, I'd pay full price for each and every one of them. I agree with that, Black Silver. Dude, a Super Metroid remake just like this, I'd fucking just fix the wall jumping and I'll pay full price for another Super Metroid. Um, In ways... Metroid Dread feels like Super Metroid on steroids. And that's not a bad thing at all. They took one of the best video games ever made and made it better. It was just so much fun to play. I I don't think I'm ready to slap Game of the Year on the cover and just lock it in as my Game of the Year pick. But I will say when the end of the year rolls around and I do the blankies this year and I do my personal Game of the Year picks, it's a lock that Metroid Dread is a nominated finalist. It's There's just no way. I have been fucking completely addicted to this game since it came out. And I bought it the morning it came out. And I just have not... Every chance I get, I'm picking up my Switch and just playing a few more minutes. Trying to get one more, you know, set of missiles or fucking something like that. Like I said, I never play the New Game Plus or play the hard mode, like, back through it or anything. But I, I literally finished Dread one night. And the next morning, I picked it up and started playing the hard... Because it's just that much fun. Um, it might be cool if it was a little bit longer, but I also like the way that it's beatable in a reasonable time frame. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It's a matter of quality over quantity. You're not looking at a 60 hour investment to beat this game. I know some people equate a game's length with its worth. Uh, we've talked about that before. I fucking hate when people do that. I would much rather pay 50 bucks for a, a good 10 hour experience over a mediocre 30 hour experience. I would probably, I, I would guess that I got... 25% or 25-30 hours out of this game between my two playthroughs I would guess 
Um, cause I don't think that clock is accurate cause it's not counting the times you die. I don't think so. Uh, I was completely satisfied. I, I paid full price for this game day one and uh, I'll play this game many, many times over. I'm never deleting it off my Nintendo switch. It's absolutely worth full price. It's a perfect example of why I love Nintendo. Okay. Nintendo can fuck us around with their online and some of the weird decisions they make and their fucking joy cons and they're behind the times and they do all these things that irritate many of us. I know that. But when Nintendo just puts their heads down and just makes a video game, they're still as elite as it gets in this industry. And this is a fucking perfect example. If I was scoring Metroid Dread out of 10, it's a it's a 10. And I very, very, very rarely do that. You guys know this. I can't even take the Super Mario World tax off of this game. I just, I thought it was perfect. Just go in knowing that it won't be easy. There's no easy mode. It's not going to hold your hand. You're probably going to get lost. You're going to die a lot. And you can look up guides online to tell you where to go. But I implore you to do your best not to do that. Because the feeling you get from solving a puzzle and moving on without help is top shelf. Just shoot everything. That said, I know that it can get old after a while when you're playing with limited time. And you're like, this is fucking stupid the game I'm stuck. I don't know where else to go. I get that. Uh, but 10 out of 10, this was one of the best games I've played this year. One of the best games I've ever played on the switch. I fucking love this video game. Whew. That's going to do it for the spoiler free portion of this game. All right. So this is your first of three warnings. I'm going to queue up some music in a second. Actually, I'll do it right now. When that music stops, I'll give you a final warning and then I'm going to give you a quick spoiler cast. So if you don't want anything spoiled, thank you for listening. Bail right now. And I'll talk to you again soon. And if you do want spoilers, hang around till the music stops, okay? All right, everybody, this is your final warning. Spoilers are going to be starting in three, two, one. I can't believe Samus is Princess Peach. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, Dude, so at the very end of the game, when you fight Falcon Beak or whatever the fuck that stupid bird's name is. What a stupid name for an enemy, by the way, in my opinion. Um, when you, when you like, realize... Okay, so it turns out... I feel so weird saying this, but I've warned you guys countless times spoilers are coming. Uh, it turns out that Samus has become a Metroid herself, and... The previous games explain all why. I'm not going to get totally into that. But you've been injected with Metroid DNA. And now it's actually overtaken to where she has become a Metroid of her own. And seeing her realize her full power near the end of the game is so fucking rad. And she looks so dope at the very end of the game. She's like, she looks mutated and like she's all green and purple with like spiky armor and she looks so fucking cool and then she gets in her ship and needs to take off but then when she goes to turn on her ship her it's like yo don't because you're gonna drain all the power from your ship because you're so fucking powerful now i thought that was so badass but then she manages to like get back to normal and she can fly away and, and stuff like that i love that they brought the x virus back i love that the x virus popped up and was part of the game and everything like that. Because I thought that was one of the coolest things in Metroid Fusion. And I hope they never get rid of it. Because I think it's just such a rad fucking enemy. Uh, like I said, I thought the final boss was a bit lame. I thought it was kind of a stupid name. Uh, it's just an evil crow, <laughs> basically. And then, uh, I can't believe that you also find out that this boss... It feels so weird saying this, but again, we're in the spoiler part of the show. Uh, it's so odd that this fucking weird bird from another planet is samus's father 
It's at least that's the way I understood it. I thought that was a really weird twist, but it also explained why that bird doesn't kill you at the very beginning of the game. And, uh, he wants all your power. And, uh, I, I, like, I gotta be honest. I really enjoy playing Metroidvanias and playing these games. I just don't give a fuck about the story. I, that's just me. I really could take or leave the fucking story. It's not bad or anything, but I just want to play. So I thought the ending wasn't bad at all. I actually thought it was a great wrap up to the, cause they're saying this is the end of the original Metroid saga. And now they're going to be starting over with something new. And I thought that was fine. Um, I just thought it was dumb to find out like that was the big finale. Oh, your dad's a bird and you're a Metroid now, but okay, whatever. Um, I did mention it in this, in the actual review, getting some of those fucking speed spark moves down is a motherfucker. Uh, I didn't think they explained how it worked all that well, to be honest with you. So that was the one thing I looked up while I was playing is I did look up a tip on how to utilize the speed spark properly. And once I figured that out, I was fucking flying all over the place. I didn't want to get into that in the spoiler free part of the podcast. Cause I didn't want to talk too much about all the different abilities you pick up. I thought most of the abilities by and large were cool. I love the way that they keep finding a way for Samus to lose all her abilities. Like every game she has all these abilities and it's like, Oh, we lost it, but you'll get them back. Like I, I thought that was, a, they, they explained that very well. I did find it a little weird that all the abilities are just sitting around again. Like they are in every other game, but whatever that doesn't matter uh that speed spark thing takes some fucking practice that's the hardest part of the game in my opinion if you want 100 it is figuring that out um uh, i like the way the environments change in different levels how sometimes they were hot sometimes they were frozen and the game like the levels would play differently depending on what the environment was doing i thought that was really cool i thought hopping into the teleportation devices was rad it was a great way to move around from island to island or planet to planet or whatever but i thought the load time between the areas was a little long and I found that to be a little bit frustrating as I was going back through the game to try to clean up. And it was like, fuck, let's just, I don't even know if this is where I need to be going right now. Let's fucking go. And then you have to wait for the load screen. But that might just be because I've been playing a lot of Series X and PS5 over the last few months. And the lead times are so minimal on those. I can't expect the Switch to keep up with that. So I can't get angry about that. Um, I can't really think of much else to spoil. I think the game starts to open up when you get the grapple beam. The more so it opens up when you get the super jump or space jump or whatever it's called. And then when you get the gravity suit and now you're running at full speed underwater and you can go anywhere in the game like lava and ice worlds and stuff, that's when shit hits the fan. It's just, yeah, I really can't tell you guys how much I love this game. I would, I'm torn between Deathloop Eternal and this for my game of the year right now. And if you were to put a gun to my head right now and make me pick, I would probably pick Metroid Dread. I just... I feel no urge to play Returnal or Deathloop again. They're both longer than, than Metroid Dread, whereas Metroid Dread I'm playing through for a second time, and I'm like, I could fucking play through this again right now. I'm just having so much fun playing this fucking video game. Other than the fact that Samus is part bird, the unless I maybe misunderstood that, but I don't think I did. Um, this game's fucking incredible. So I don't really have anything else to put here in the spoiler. There's not a ton to spoil other than like the locations of things, and that's a hard thing to spoil via a video or an audio podcast. So... Um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this review. If you made it all the way to the end, thanks for listening. I hope that I didn't spoil the game for you. I hope you've experienced it yourself. If you haven't experienced it yourself, and even after listening to this, you're like, ah, I don't know. It's a great fucking game. If you're waiting for it to go on sale, you're gonna be waiting a long fucking time because it's Nintendo, but I'm telling you this game is worth full price. I thought this game was absolutely fucking spectacular.
<sighs> I'm done. Okay. I'm actually going to get this re uh, rendering and then I'm actually going to go play a little bit more Metroid Dread. So thank you all so much for listening. Thank you so much for the support. I'll be back next week. The expansion pass topic poll suggestions post thing is up live right now for anyone at the $5 and up Patreon level. The next week's topic is going to be up to all of you. So get in there and leave your feedback if you haven't already. And I will talk to you all again soon. Cheers. Goodbye. Thank you. Oh, <laughs>